this is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Hey listeners, you're about to hear a message from Stacey that was preached at Numa Church, Melbourne City location. Don't forget to like, hit subscribe for updates, and connect further with Stacey by visiting Stacey's website, stacyhillier.com, and checking out her book, Worship Is. We pray you are super blessed by this special episode. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, as you're finding a place there, as I've studied this passage in the past few weeks, I didn't think it was possible, but I have fallen even more in love with Jesus than ever before as he has revealed this aspect of his heart to me. And I just believe that if we stay open tonight, that we could actually fall in love afresh with Jesus again. Even if you think you love him with all that you are, I believe you're about to go deeper again tonight. So let's look at John chapter 10, verses one to 15. This chapter is titled, I am the good shepherd, and it's Jesus speaking. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned I was up in Brisbane and um, I'd been ministering at this church for about four days and it was the final day and I picked up a hire car that day because I was planning a quick escape after this final session because I was meeting my family down the Gold Coast who had flown in that afternoon for a holiday. So uh, I parked as close to the door as I could and finished preaching and my plan was pray for everybody at the altar and then pray my way down one of the aisles, pray my way through the foyer and straight to the car. I learnt that from the best, Pastor Corey, he prays his way out. 
And so I, you know, I, I'm learning, I'm learning master classes. And so uh, that's what I did. I prayed my way down the aisle and I got into the car and I was like, boom, I'm going to be there before midnight. It's been a great few days. Can't wait to see my family. And then I opened my phone to put in the address of where I was going and it turned off. I had run out of battery. And I may or may not have gone into a slight panic attack and needed myself to be prayed down the aisle. And so I started to kind of think, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to pray my way back in there, charge my phone for 15 minutes, pray for another 500 people, and then pray my way down the other aisle. Or I'm going to have to stop somewhere and charge it at a petrol station. I don't want either of those options. I just want to get to the beach and to my family. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh, hang on. I actually grew up in this city. I know exactly where I am. I used to go to the Gold Coast for uni several times a week. I've driven the road I'm looking for a map for probably a thousand times in my life. Don't even really know why I was opening maps. And as I was sitting there pondering this quandary, I thought, I think it's because I like the assurance of having a voice lead me. Even when I know where I'm going. And especially when I don't. You see, you and I are designed to follow a voice and we feel safe when we have someone leading us. And sometimes we'll even take Siri's voice. But do you know what? I've got good news for you tonight. The good shepherd calls us by name. We know his voice. He's speaking to us all the time. Verse 2 and 3 We just read it. It says, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Now, the context of our passage here, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's there for a feast, for the Feast of Tabernacles. And as he shares these two little pictures that would have been very easily understood in the culture and the context of the time, he has the Pharisees in mind because he knows they're listening in. You see, in just the previous chapter, they had cast a man out of community, out of the synagogue and out of the temple because he got healed. We all know the story. Jesus spat in the dirt, weird, turned it into mud, healed the man, And then they cast him out of the synagogue. So Jesus has this in mind when he's got this bunch of Pharisees who have the title and the role and the responsibility to shepherd God's people and they're casting them out of community when the good shepherd is busy trying to get everybody in to community and into the safety. And this is why he shares these pictures. The first six verses, he focuses on what would have been common in the time and understanding that he was speaking about a communal sheep pen in a city, just like in Jerusalem. So this was a place where people who were coming into town from out in the country or who were maybe in the city for business or in the city for feasts would go to a gatekeeper, normally at the gate of a courtyard, and several different flocks, they would pay the gatekeeper to put their flock in this courtyard. So there could be several different flocks in there at once. And the gatekeeper would guard the door while the shepherd went off and celebrated. Then he would come back in the morning because he had to take them out to pasture. Now what would happen? Because the gatekeeper knew the shepherd, he would open the door. The shepherd would stand to all the various flocks. The scripture tells us that he 
calls them out. That word calls actually means like a melodic sing-song. The shepherd stood at the gate and he sang to his sheep in a familiar voice and they came out from all the other flocks and followed the familiar voice of their shepherd. And Jesus uses this imagery to describe what he wants to do for us and how he wants us to recognise his voice. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt or rejoice over you, you, with loud singing. Isn't that the most beautiful image? That our good shepherd calls us in this sing-song, easily recognisable voice. Think about little David, the shepherd boy. He's out there in the country, the middle of nowhere. He ran out of ways to express his worship to the Lord just with his voice, so he starts making instruments. And there he is sitting underneath a tree, strumming his little harpy, guitar, whatever thing it was, sorry, David, and singing to the Lord all the while the little lambs and the sheep are around him getting to know the sound of his song. He led his sheep by worship. He led them by the sound of worship. You know, just a few years ago, I had the privilege of being at our first Numa Perth location launch. And I just spoke to this guy today and asked his permission to share this story. And I was blown away again by just the goodness of God. And we were there and we were doing a prophetic presbytery. So there was Pastor Corey and Sim, there was Pastor Raph and myself. And there was this one guy there that just looked like he didn't belong. Nobody knew who he was. It was meant to be a leader's day prophetic presbytery. To be honest, he looked really hard, like he had a whole bunch of walls up. And yet, of course, he was the person that the Lord said prophesy over him. So he got the one, two, three. So uh, Pastor Corey went first and prophesied over him. He was still like hard. And then, but it was very accurate, he was telling me today. And Pastor Raph then prophesied over him, again, super accurate. He's like, no, you won't get me. And that's literally his words. I think a photo is going to come up on the screen of him somewhere of what he looked like uh, at this moment. And then as, there he is. So this is Dolan. And I'm standing on the side of the church looking at this guy like, thank goodness I don't have a word for him. (laughs) And then... I start to hear the father singing over him. And what he was singing surprised me. So as I'm just listening to the father sing over this guy, I'm thinking, there is no way I'm I'm singing that. No way. This vision opens up before me of him as a little boy with his grandmother. And I prophesied this over him. And his grandmother soothing him and singing over him, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are grey. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Then it was like I became like a, a, an instrument because I went into verse 2. I couldn't tell you what I sang, but it was personalised for him. And all of a sudden he's weeping and he's crying. He gave his heart to the Lord that day. In the last 12 months, his marriage has been reconciled. He's back living with his children. He's a key leader in the life of Numa Perth. That's his grandmother there. So today I asked him, you know, just make, 
help me know I've got the details right. And he gave me permission to share this. When he was two, he, uh, a stepfather came into his home. Extreme domestic violence. To the point where he saw his stepfather knock his mother unconscious at nine months pregnant. Whilst she was unconscious, Dolan helped birth his sister. When his stepfather would beat him or beat his mother, he would call his grandparents. His grandfather would drive in the front from the age of two. He would lay in the back with his head on his grandmother's lap. She would stroke his back, soothe his wounds and sing, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Jesus was singing Dolan out of the world that day. Jesus was singing Dolan to himself. If I got all up in my head about, can Jesus, can God be singing you are my sunshine? I've actually noticed God's not religious at all. If he needs to get to somebody, he'll use whatever he needs to use. Verse three says he calls his own sheep by name. There is nothing like when you hear the Lord call you by name. Most of us are saved in this room, so we've had that moment where he's called us by name. I think about Mary, one of my faves. Three times she appears in the Gospels. One time she's breaking worship over Jesus' feet that was a year's wage. The next time she's sitting there hanging on every word he says while her sister gets all uptight because she's not helping. The other time she falls at his feet. Oh, Lord, if you'd just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Every time we see her, she's in the posture of worship. Then in John 20, we read about Mary. She's outside Jesus' tomb and his body has been moved and she's sitting there and she's weeping and what she thinks is a gardener behind her. She's like, would you tell me, what have they done with my Lord? And he speaks to her and she doesn't recognise it's risen Jesus until he says, Mary. And at that moment when he speaks her name in that voice that he'd spoken so tenderly to because of her worshipper's heart over and over again, she knew her shepherd was calling her and immediately, oh, my Lord is here. Your shepherd is calling you by name day after day. I need to let some people know in this room tonight, you are not just a face in a crowd. You are not unseen. You are not forgotten. He knows you by name. And in fact, I believe he's singing over you right now. It's one of the mysteries and the wonders of our Jesus that he can be working individually in 50,000 people and yet doing something corporate and magnificent at once. So right now he's singing personally over you and he's singing over this house right now. That's how big and how magnificent and how glorious and how beautiful and how marvellous and how wonderful he is. In biblical times, the shepherd would actually name their sheep according to their characteristics. Oh, this one's fluffy. This one's spot. This one's long ears. And they would sing song that name over them from the time they carried them around until they recognised both the tone of the voice and their name. I remember when I had an encounter a number of years ago, probably one of the most significant encounters of my life. I was doing something so carnal. 
I got up in the middle of the night, went to the ensuite to go to the bathroom, and the Lord's presence just came. So much so I forgot I didn't even need to go to the bathroom. And so I tried to stagger back to bed, and I didn't make it back to bed. I lay on the floor stiff as a board with electricity through the top of my head. I shook for hours as my husband prayed because there was a light in the room. And I saw things in heaven that are indescribable. But there was a moment in the encounter that marked me for life where Father God touched each of my shoulders and he said, from now on, your name is Freedom Fighter. When the Lord calls you by a name that he says are your characteristics, you watch how you rise and how you begin to step into that. Do you know what the Lord's pet name is for you? Do you know he's got one? Why don't you spend some time in his presence this week and why don't you simply ask, what are you singing over me today? What do you call me? What's your special name for me? Journal, spend time worshipping the Lord in that intimate place. You know that Satan knows your name, but he will call you by your sin and your faults. But God knows your sins, but he will call you by your name and he will call you up into your destiny. You see, the good shepherd, he leads us and he goes before us. Verse three to four says, he calls his own sheep by name, he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. It's very easy for us in a Western context to read this passage and think of the classic sheep dog. You know, they're at the back and they're chasing and herding all the sheep or the farmer on the motorbike, like, you know, yelling and whistling and doing all the things. This is not how these kind of shepherds led their people. Jesus is not behind you driving you. He is lovingly walking before you, making sure the path is clear and he's calling you by name and he's singing over you. And his voice becomes irresistible. So irresistible that even though he's never forcing anything on us, he carries so much authority when he speaks that men could be about their business and all he said was, follow me. And they dropped everything and they followed the shepherd. When you hear him speak, it can be one word, go. We go. Stop, we stop. Yield, we yield. Bend, we bend. One word from the shepherd and life changes. Jesus is not speaking to you in an angry voice. You know, shepherding was a highly personal occupation. 24-7 protection for the sheep was a highly relational role. Verse 5 says, a stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you know that when shepherds wanted time off, I was reading one historian talk about this and he was like, there's stories known throughout the Middle Eastern world of shepherds who wanted time off because it was a 24-7 role would pay other people to wear their clothes to try and get the sheep to follow the smell of the shepherd but they never fell for it because they knew the voice 
You know, it reminds me of when Jesus speaks in Matthew 7 about wolves in sheep's clothing, speaking of false prophets, that we would recognise them by their fruit. Well, we recognise the good shepherd by his voice. Have you noticed? We tend to hear this little voice of the accuser, you can't this, you can't that, you don't have what it takes, and we shrink back. And then Jesus, who's never done a thing to let you down, never said a word over you that isn't 100% true and good and right. He speaks and we're like, well, I'm just going to put a fleece out. I'm just going to, you know, if there's four unicorns in my front yard on Tuesday the 7th of the 7th of 27, then I'll know it's the Lord. If I see four people in purple shirts at church before I get into the auditorium, I'll know it's the Lord. I know I'm being like extreme, right? But actually that's often how we live. Like we're putting more trust in Satan's voice than we are in our good shepherds and we need to stop. Jesus wants to lead us, but guess what? We have to let him. It requires yielding. It requires surrender. It requires trust, especially when you're like, this is not the way I would go. To hear the voice of God actually requires shutting your mouth. I have people say to me all the time, and I understand it, but says, I can't hear his voice. And I love seeing the light bulbs come on when I'm like, are you saved? And when they say yes, I'm like, well, then you can hear his voice. Tell me, how did you know that you knew that he was calling you to himself? Let's talk about that. That's how you heard his voice. I actually get pretty tired of how we've done a great job of overcomplicating hearing God's voice. And I know I'm oversimplifying, but that's because we've spent a couple of decades overcomplicating. You were born to hear his voice. It is not hard to hear his voice. You know how to hear his voice. You recognise his voice. He's been singing over you since you were in your mama's womb. And let me tell you, you recognise his voice. We need to stop asking questions like, is that Jesus? The better question is, why would that not be Jesus? If I'm a sheep and he is talking to me and his word is very clear, I need to stop asking questions that are more about my doubt in myself than about him. The model here is that we hear his voice when we let him lead. So if we're not hearing him, are you following Jesus as he leads you? Or are you leading your own life and then going, but I I can't hear Jesus. When you left him somewhere back there. You see, the closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we are from the wolves. The good shepherd saves us and he gives us abundant life. Verse seven, truly, truly, which means like, listen up, peoples, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And right here, Jesus enters his second picture 
that would have been very common to the people of the time. The first one, they got what he was saying in the natural. They could not pick up the spiritual parallel. So he was like, let me try again. I'll give him another picture. We'll believe the best. So here he goes into this second analogy, which is no longer a communal sheep pen in the city, but it's a sheep pen out in the country designed for a specific herd of sheep. It was constructed different. It didn't have a door. It was a low little stone round enclosure with no door, no gate. You want to know how the sheep were safe at night? Here's what the shepherd would do. Lay across the opening. So if a wolf or a bear or a lion wanted to come, they had to get through the shepherd. That is the picture that Jesus was giving his people of that's how a good shepherd behaves. That's the picture of what Jesus is saying over your life. He is your protector. You know, we're designed to live open-hearted. We're not designed to live with doors on our hearts. And when we live as our heart's own protector, when we close up the opening in our heart, that's an independent spirit rooted in fear. We've all been there, right? But Jesus wants to be your protector. So if something has come in, he has allowed it. And this is where we have to trust his nature, that he is good. In fact, I've found when things come in and I'm feeling it like I'm hurt or I'm disappointed or I'm let down and I do that really mature thing of like, but you said you were my protector. Why aren't you laying down over the door of my heart? I've discovered he doesn't ever answer those questions. (laughs) He just presences himself with me till I'm so saturated in his love I don't need to ask anymore. I've discovered when I'm hurting the most is when I find out at the deepest level what a good shepherd he actually is because he never leaves me and he never forsakes me and he never stops covering me and he never stops fighting on my behalf and he never stops warding off battles I didn't even know were coming and he never stops defending us and he never stops working for our good because he is a good shepherd in your life. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Get excited abundantly doesn't mean something different in original language. It means exactly what it means today. Superfluous, not just full, running over in mercy, in grace, in kindness, in love, in provision, in protection, abundance. But let's talk for a moment about those pesky other three, steal, kill, and destroy. Steal is the word klepto. It's where we get the word kleptomaniac. Jesus is telling us here the nature of our adversary. It's not that he sometimes likes to steal. It's that it's his character. So in the same way that Jesus or God can't do anything that's not good, Satan can't do anything that's not stealing from you. This word means he's trying to pickpocket from you at all times. Kill is the word thuo. It's the same Old Testament word for sacrifice. 
What it means is he's going to make believers think, oh, revival services are too hard. This marriage is too hard. This call is too hard. Numa School of the Spirit is too hard. Getting up at 5 a.m. every morning is too hard. And in the process, we've laid our call on the altar and Satan's sitting back going, yep, killed that. And then we sit back and we go, well, it just wouldn't be that hard if it was God. Love ya. (laughs) That final word means to like torture someone, make their life a living hell. That's the boundaries of Satan's life. Can I say to you in life, when we have heard the shepherd calling us into something, it does not mean the path will be easy. You got someone picking from your pocket, trying to make everything feel too hard, trying to make you miserable, and we end up saying, oh, well, it must be God because it's just all too hard, and if God was in it, it'd be easy. Just because something is hard or you've experienced loss on the way, please, 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 that does not mean you should give up. That's the very time you need to be still. Silence the noise and go, now I need to hear you. Would you sing over me? Would you speak my name? Because when you speak my name, courage comes into my heart and I can face the giant and I can face the bear and I can face the wolf. All you need is to hear his voice. Verse 12 says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, he leaves them, he skedaddles out of there. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. On the other hand, Jesus cares so deeply for his sheep, for you. Jesus cares so deeply for you. This is why it breaks my heart when I see people with this self-loathing and this self-doubt talking in their ears on their shoulders. He loves you. Matthew 9, 35 to 36, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. Yes, Jesus. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This word compassion here means, it's the word schlackner. It means Jesus felt it in his gut. When he sees his sheep without a shepherd or a shepherd not treating them right, he feels it in his gut. In the feminine form, when you're a woman with a shepherd's heart, you feel it in your womb. You feel it in the place where you house life and you grow things to fullness. A shepherd's heart that sees sheep scattered feels it in the deepest place. Jesus feels that when you are scattered. That's why he leaves the 99 and goes after the one because it feels it in his very being. This compassion motivated Jesus to heal, to feed multitudes, to deliver people of demons, to raise a widow's son. It's the same compassion that when the father was standing out on the hill looking, is my son coming home today? 
and he saw the prodigal coming home, he was moved with compassion in his gut and he ran to his son and he embraced him. Spiritual mothers and fathers and siblings in this house, when the prodigals start coming home, we should feel it in our guts. Not condemnation, but running with open arms. Welcome home. We've been waiting for you. It was J.I. Packer who said, once you become aware that the main business you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. You see, the good shepherd knows us and he wants to be known by us. Verse 14 to 15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. This word know here that is used means to become one. It's the word that's used when a man and a woman come together in marriage. It means sexual relations, kind of intimacy. And he's saying this is how the father wants to know you. He wants to be one with you. What blows my mind is he says the same way the father knew Jesus. The same way that Jesus knew the Father, we can know them. Jesus, who could say, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. I don't say anything the Father hasn't first said. That kind of oneness can be your testimony. (laughs) You know, Jesus must have spent a fair bit of time with his Father watching and listening not just talking and moving. And we need to do the same thing to truly know him because God is a relational being to know, not a formula to master. He is literally singing over you to woo you and to lead you right now. He is not unknowable. I break that lie. I pull it up from the root right now and I tell it to get out. He is not unknowable. He wants to be known by you. He's dropping Easter eggs everywhere. He's dropping hints all up in your grill nonstop. Please hear me, see me, talk to me. Not in a needy way because he's perfect. In a loving, relational way. Please listen to me. I want what is best for you and you have no idea. This is your shepherd and he chooses you. And the good shepherd is the beautiful shepherd who lays down his life for us. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The second time this word good is used, it literally means beautiful. So this could be translated, I am the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. We know that the metaphor here was that he lays down over the entry But we also know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way, the only door to the Father. But this beautiful shepherd would willingly lay down his life, not just across the gate, but on a cross for you and for me. You see, the Father heart of God takes the shepherding of his people very seriously. And when we represent him as shepherds on the earth, he also takes that very seriously. The background of this passage 
that Jesus was alluding to in the subtext is the prophecy of Ezekiel in chapter 34. When God addresses the shepherds through the prophet, these shepherds had been feeding themselves. They were not strengthening the weak. They were not healing the sick. Are you healing the job description of Jesus here? They did not bind up the injured. They did not bring back the strays. And they were ruling with harshness and force. And so the sheep scattered. And this was God's solution through the prophet. Ezekiel 34, 22 to 24. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord and I have spoken. So God, the Father, is looking from heaven and he's watching all these kings shepherd for selfish gain, rule harshly. And he felt it in his gut. I can't see my sheep scattered. Who will I use? That little boy who sat out in the fields making instruments to worship me, singing over the sheep. I can trust him with my chosen people. I can trust him to gather my people and to lead them with songs of worship into my presence. I will raise up a true shepherd, one who will feed, strengthen, heal, bind up, bring back the strays, rule with kindness. This was David chosen to lead God's people. He would have laid across the sheepfold. This is why he could say, I have fought lions and bears, Goliath. Because he saw Israel cowering back there, God's sheep, and he had a shepherd's heart. And he went, "Mm, mm, 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 not on my watch. You don't intimidate me because I feel it in my gut when the sheep are scattered because my father feels it in his gut when the sheep are scattered. So he gets up there with some little stones and a slingshot. See you later, Goliath. Day's done. We're gathering the sheep. And it was this man after God's own heart who was a messianic symbol of Jesus, who literally was God's heart. This shepherd, the good shepherd, willingly became the lamb for you and for me. He calls us by name and we know his voice. He leads us, he goes before us. He saves us, he gives us abundant life. He knows us. He wants to be known by us. He is a beautiful shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And he is your shepherd. He is my shepherd. If the team can come and join me. Psalm 23. You guessed it, David. The Lord is my shepherd. He personalized it. Listen to what he writes about our shepherd. My shepherd provides for me, I shall not want. My shepherd sustains me. He leads me to green pastures. My shepherd leads me beside still waters, I can rest. My shepherd restores my soul. He tends to my mind, my will, my emotions. 
My shepherd leads me to holiness and righteousness and it brings him glory and it brings him great joy. My shepherd walks with me in the valleys even when I face the horror of death. My shepherd carries my fears and he loves me until my fears disappear. My shepherd is with me. He comforts me when I am sad, when I am broken, when I am low. He is not far. My shepherd prepares a table for me and he invites my enemies to stand and watch as I feast at the banquet table of my father. My shepherd anoints my head until I overflow. I never run dry. My shepherd chases me down with goodness and mercy all the days of my life. And there is always a place for me in my shepherd's house. This is your shepherd. This is my shepherd. And I don't know about you, but when I hear of the heart of Jesus, the shepherd heart of Jesus, there could only be one response. That I would bow my knee and say, have my life as a living sacrifice. This is my worship to you. For I have found the one thing and nobody will take it from me. When I weigh it all up, I count everything else but rubbish except for this one thing, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. I want nothing more than to know and to be known by my shepherd. 